The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. Hello and welcome to another episode of Setting the Record Straight, a podcast of the Reconstructionist Radio Network. I am Russell Trawick and I pastor Christ Covenant Church, a Christian Reconstructionist congregation in Alvin, Texas. Let's start with today's episode. Today I'm going to be talking what I called entitled Church Planting. Church planting is a topic that most seem to have an idea about, but in practice, Most people have never been a part of an intentional church planning process. As Christian Reconstructionists, I believe we need to have a better understanding of church planting than our other Christian brothers and sisters and contemplate our participation. My family and I have lived lived in and invested our lives in Alvin, Texas for more than 12 years. Three of my four children were born here. Over that time, the congregation and its doctrine has changed drastically from a Southern Baptist, Arminian, dispensationalist type of church to a full Christian Reconstructionist church. Now, some of you might think we have much in common, but in reality, some churches might have a pastor that is an adherent to Christian Reconstructionism or maybe a few members, but as a local congregation, we identify as Christian Reconstructionists. We are not a part of a specific denomination, so we get put under the non-denominational heading, while in reality, that is kind of a denomination, and we don't adhere to the same doctrines and teachings of most of those non-denominational churches. So when people ask us questions about our denomination or what we believe, we get looked at like we have a third eye in the middle of our foreheads. Some, some including some of my own family, think we are a cult with such a quote-unquote strange doctrine. Therefore, when many churches maintain their congregation size or even grow because only their pastor or a few members are adherents to Christian Reconstructionism, we have have had the opposite effect. Our church over time has become smaller. It has become so small that the resources have become too small to maintain a large church campus. But at the same time, we see that our purpose is changing in response to the kingdom of God. I say all of this to bring forth a point that I think is a necessary discussion to be had and that has been juggled around through different social media discussion groups about Christian Reconstructionist individuals and families coming closer together and living in closer community to have a greater kingdom impact. I'm not talking about planning a church building or organization with a fresh marketing campaign, but today I'm talking about intentional church, big C, planting. The congregation I have pastored has changed over the last three plus years. Some of our congregants drive 40 minutes to over an hour to get to church services on Sundays. They have sacrificially done so, while the few local congregants were not as regular in their attendance. We have been struggling to make ends meet for many years So now, and uh, we've invested most of our time and almost all of our resources to maintain a church campus And in doing so, it has made us, in many ways, ineffective. I became bivocational as a pastor after spending most of my pastoral ministry as full-time staff. 
Still, things didn't get any better with our resources, but what happened is that we began getting a clearer vision of what we were to do. It was time to plant a church. First, you have to, when considering planting a church, you have to consider the cost. Luke 14, 25-33 reads, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned to them and said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own wife, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and what? Count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will sit, not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he, de- he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. If we are to count the cost in following Jesus, should we not also consider and count the cost as his bride to the purpose and strategy we have as a local congregation? What we did, we had what we call a family meeting on a Sunday to discuss our circumstances, what we should do, and the steps to make that happen. We had to consider the current cost in order to see the future purpose. Although there was some heated or passionate discussion with this type of thing, which this type of thing is bound to do, we talked about it and we walked through it prayerfully. By doing so, everyone in the congregation had some buy-in or responsibility in the matter. You see, we're not a, congr- a church with a congregational form of government. We are an elder-led body. All of our elders in the past few years, due to career moves or changes, have moved away and I am the sole local elder, whether they were here or not, we still would have had this meeting. We still would have consulted our congregation. Why? It is because we are to be one body with one purpose. Being elder-led does not mean elder-driven or elder-ruled or elder-dictated. Decisions such as these are weighty ones, and the best option is not to cut off a member of the body, but to come together. Sure, there are those who might, who might choose to remove themselves from this local congregation and join themselves to another, and they have. Some are not willing to make the sacrifice of time and travel. For some, the fellowship and purpose of the church is not the same, but regardless as families and individuals, the present and future purpose of the congregation is one not to be taken lightly, and we must walk through the process together. Second, the the decision we made was not one of death, but rather transplantation. The decision we made was to sell every possession of buildings and land the church possesses. We did not do so in order to dissolve or end the church, but rather that we might transplant the congregation into more fertile ground with greater room for growth. For our congregation, this will mean sacrifice and including much sacrifice for my family. After being in one location for over 12 years, we will be moving closer to other members of the congregation. Yes, we are pulling up roots and transplanting ourselves into a new community. The community we will be moving 
two is even more rural than some think of Alvin. It is further away from the amenities of the big box stores. It is further away from the area in which I run my business. To many, that would not sound like progress, but more a retreat to seclusion. Well, that is far from the truth. First, we are moving closer to our congregation, which is our first priority. What we learned over the last few years is that it is hard to shepherd and care and build fellowship when you're 40 minutes or more away from each other. We have done it, but it has been very difficult. Second, we are moving closer to those who are most like-minded in regards to education of children and way of life. We are moving closer to another homeschooling family in order that we can further enhance the education of our children and render support to one another and maybe have an opportunity to further enhance the education uh, or work with and support other homeschoolers as well as encourage other Christians to homeschool. In regards to our way of life or living, we have been somewhat farming for a while in order to live a self-sustainable lifestyle. This would allow for us to build into this aspect further, mainly by allowing for us to have more land that is better set up for, uh, for growth now and into the future. Third, <clears throat> this move would allow for us to be involved in a more rural community that we can teach sustainable living from a biblical perspective, offering a service to a community while building biblical community. I would like to do a series of podcasts in the future that will flesh this out more, But this leads to my next point. Third, transplantation without implantation is pointless. What does this mean? You see, if one digs up a tree to move it to another location, but it is never implanted into soil again, it will die. You have to protect the roots, but you also must have an intentional place to put the tree. So the point behind church planting is not just the excitement of the adventure of new beginnings, but it also, but it must not only have a purpose ideologically or theoretically, but it must be implemented or, as I have said, implanted. The idea must become reality. We are charged in Scripture to have more than a theoretical, idealistic faith. James two fourteen through twenty six says, "What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith?" But does not have works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, by faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, as he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. 
Faith without intentional implementation, without action, is a dead, lifeless, and purposeless faith and really would be deemed no faith at all. In the same way in church planting, especially transplanting a church without intentional implantation would make a dead, lifeless, and purposeless church that really would be no church at all. Fourth, when it comes to church planting, when we talk about the big C church planting, we're not talking about opening the doors of a building of a local church congregation in a community that gathers to worship. No, we are talking about intentionally implanting Christ's bride into an area in order to impact it with the gospel and bring about God's kingdom purpose. This might mean that there is never a building specifically dedicated to church worship. Church planting, as I am describing it, is not about a group of people who are similarly ideologically minded gathering to sing songs and being taught. What I am speaking of is a group of believers who intentionally implant themselves into a community to daily, intentionally, and strategically make a kingdom impact through their families, through education, through their vocation, and so on. I am not saying... I'm not saying that these individuals and families will not gather together for worship or instruction in God's Word, but that is not the main point of Christianity as a whole, nor for Christian Reconstruction in its implementation to all of life. The reason why so many churches are impotent today is because the highlight of the week is gathering together to sing songs around a spiritual campfire and be fed biblical exposition that is spiritual has a spiritual nutritional equivalent of a s'more. Just because a group of people brand and market a label of a new church in a community, and even, even if they see numerical growth in attendance, they have little to no impact for the kingdom of God in that community. Why is that? One, most numerical growth comes from the transference effect. There are many who are church shoppers or church hoppers when the new church comes to town, when the new preacher and the latest and hottest worship band arrives. They transfer to that church. Then, when the next one comes along, they move on to it. Most numerical growth in churches today occur, occurs in this way. Two, numerical growth does not imply kingdom impact or kingdom growth. Kingdom impact or growth very seldom occurs within the context of the doors of a local congregation organization. There is limited impact because the majority of those who have gathered are like-minded believers already. The majority of kingdom impact and growth occurs outside the doors through our vocation and our families and through our regular interaction with neighbors and others that we meet. For too long... Being a part of the church meant being removed from the culture around us to go to church meeting after church meeting or or conference after conference or worship service after worship service and Bible study after Bible study and the endless parade of withdrawal from a culture that we are called to. No, let me state it right. We're commanded in Matthew 28, 18-20 to impact for the glory of Christ. Most churches are impotent by their own design. There is no kingdom impact for the glory of Christ Jesus. 
because there's very little time to impact a culture because they're always gathering together instead of going. In fact, most churches emphasize the value of commitment. The value of commitment is in how often you show up and how much you give to the mission, ministry, and purpose of the local church. I would say that the reason most local churches are are impotent in regards to the kingdom impact is because there is a lesser emphasis on the value of the commitment to Christ's mission, Christ's ministry, and purpose given to His bride. I do believe that Christians should gather together for worship and teaching and fellowship, but I also believe the gathering together of believers ought to be more strategic in design to, to equip and encourage them for the kingdom impact they are going to make throughout the week. I long for the day when Christians don't view Sunday worship as a highlight of their week. Yes, I said it. I am a pastor, and I said that I hope that the highlight of the Christian's week not be the Sunday gathering. I cannot wait to see Christians who are more excited and can't wait to get back to the daily grind of work, education, and everyday living so they can impact the world and future generations than they are about sitting around in holy huddles singing the kumbaya feel-good songs that make them feel warm and fuzzy and filling up on their three-point self-help sermons to help them win friends and influence people. I believe there ought to be biblical preaching and teaching. But I don't believe it ought to be the crumbs that create dependency on the pastor. Every message slash lesson ought to be applicable and ought to show ways for it to immediately be applied. Hence why I have chosen to preach through the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, using R.J. Rushdoony's The Institutes of Biblical Law. I believe we just completed the 25th sermon and we're barely into the Fifth Commandment. At times, we take short breaks and um, for a few weeks to discuss any pertinent doctrinal issues that might come up. Recently, I even preached a two-week message on the Lord's Supper slash communion before starting the Fifth Commandment. We, we weekly have a fellowship meal after the Bible study, after the service. This allows for further discussion and a time of question and answer. It allows for fellowship, encouragement, prayer, and whatever God leads us to. I think this is necessary in the growth of the body and making an impact together. I believe that we ought to have each other in in our homes as often as we can. It is good for the body of believers. I am fondly reminded of two passages of Scripture regarding the gathering of believers. Acts 2.42-47 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." And also Romans 12, 9-13, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Yet we must keep in mind that in the midst of all of our gathering, The most important thing is not the gathering, but the purpose behind the gathering. Kingdom impact. Building the kingdom of God. 
Fifth, church planting, as I have described it, requires great sacrifice from all individuals and families involved. Would you transplant your family for the purpose of building Christ's kingdom? Think about it. Would you leave your job or transfer to another location to intentionally and strategically transplant your family to make a greater kingdom impact? Would you leave the comfort of your current life to commit your efforts along with other believers to boldly change an area for the glory of Christ Jesus? Would you leave family and close relatives and friends and whoever or uh, whoever or whatever else to join such an opportunity to be a part of a church planning effort? These are questions that must be asked. Think of it this way. Very few people, when looking to make a career change or transfer, even consider whether there is a biblical church for their family. Yet when asked if one would entertain a job change or transfer for the sake of church planning, there is a great hindrance in their minds. They recognize a career change will impact their family, yet they make the hard choice anyways. They understand a career change might move them away from family, close relatives, and friends, yet they do it anyways. I believe it is time for Christians, especially Christian Reconstructionists, to not only think differently, but act differently. I believe we need to gather closer together to make a greater kingdom impact. I don't believe we all have to live near the same city or even in the same state, but I believe more of us need to gather together. Remember, we're not talking about creating some utopian community, but rather gather near with our talents, vocations, families, etc. to apply God's law word to every area of life, making a greater kingdom impact together. Would you be willing... To be a part of an intentional and strategic big C church planning effort. Ponder that question. Prayerfully consider the cost of that question. And I challenge you to follow where the Holy Spirit leads regarding that question. In the meantime, I encourage you to visit the Reconstructionist Assemble page on Facebook. And see if there are any brothers and sisters in Christ or churches nearby you. Until next time, God bless you and yours. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.